Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. So we finished the book on Mecca, which if you recall ended with the little section on Jannat al-Ma'la, the cemetery of al-Ma'la in uh, Mecca. May Allah have mercy on everyone who is there. And the Prophet them specifically praised that gravesite. And uh, Sayyidah Khadija is buried there, radiallahu anha. So that's w- that was the end of the book on Mecca. And now we're on the book on Medina. So, Bismillah, start. Uh, boundaries of Medina. So, roughly speaking, Medina lies between the mountains of Air and Uhud. So, it's, it's surrounded by mountains on two sides. And then there's like a stretch between those two mountains that the Prophet ﷺ uh, specifically spoke about. So Abu Hurairah narrates that the Prophet ﷺ said, Medina is a sacred territory. So he who has made any innovation in it or gave protection to an innovator upon that person is the curse of Allah, that of the angels and that of all the people. On the day of resurrection, neither obligatory acts nor supererogatory acts shall be accepted from him. Oof. That's Medina. Sacred, sacred place. The Prophet ﷺ said, I have declared what is between the two lava grounds of Medina as sacred. So between the area that's between that two is the area that is uh, is Haram. Now there's boundaries around there that indicate the ends of those areas. You know, the governmental authorities have uh, made some sort of signs that indicate the end of those areas areas, areas of Haram uh, there's various sides you know there's the eastern side there's the Jabal Air side there's the western side there's the side of um, all these areas around the city the Prophet them he made dua for Medina when the Prophet them came to Medina uh, people were getting sick and Abu Bakr and Bilal in particular were very sick and the Prophet ﷺ, when he saw this, he said, Oh Allah, make Medina as beloved to us as you made Mecca beloved, or more than that. Make it conducive to health and bless us in its standards of weight and measurement, and transfer its fever to Juhfa. So he made this dua that this place will be a place where people are healthy, that people will be okay, that the standards of measurement will be okay. And like I said last time, the thing that people say about, uh, you know, they say, that the Prophet that Mecca is more beloved than Medina because the Prophet stood when he was leaving Mecca and he said, You're the most beloved land to Allah and you're the most beloved land to me and so on and so forth. So that's the argument they make for Mecca. And then other people their their argument that Medina is better is because the Prophet made this dua that O oh Allah make Medina beloved to us as as much as Mecca or more. And if the Prophet said that then it's gonna be true, you know? So Allahu Anam. Like I told you the first session, there's a lot of debate around it. The thing that there's not debate on is that the the most blessed space in existence is the space that holds the body of the Prophet <coughs> There was a time when inflation struck Medina and people were overtaken by uh, hunger and fatigue and all of these kind of things. And the Prophet told them to be patient because I have made dua for the standards of measurement in this place 
then he told the people to eat in groups eat in a group because what's enough for three will be enough for four what's enough for four will be enough for five and this was like part of how he encouraged them to be patient and uh he says there is bl- there's a blessing in this collectivity. He who perseveres and is patient despite the hardships of Medina, I shall testify and intercede for them on the day of judgment. And he who abandons Medina, Allah will replace him with one who is better than him. He who harbors an evil intention towards the dwellers of Medina, Allah will dissolve him like salt and water. So Medina is a it's a beautiful place. But you have to like we like we noticed when we talked about Mecca that. These are beautiful places and these are powerful places and one has to be um, just conscious of that when uh, coming in and out. So the virtue of residing in Medina, in Medina the Prophet said, and Medina is better for them if they but knew. He who spitefully leaves Medina, what we said before. So the dwelling that shows the indication of the importance of staying in Medina, living in Medina if one is able to do so and so on. But there's merit in that. Uh, as regards to dying in Medina, the Prophet ﷺ said, Whomsoever from you is able to die in Medina, then let him do so. For I shall testify for those who died therein. It's very interesting. A lot of righteous people seem to die in Medina. You know, it's like, that's their wish. And they live their life. And like Sheikh Abdul Fatah Abu Ghudda died in Medina. Rahimullah. A lot of people buried in Baqiyah. Uh, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu He said, O oh Allah, grant me martyrdom in your cause And that my death be in the city of your messenger This is ajib, right? Some people are like Umar, how can you Like, how are you going to be a martyr And die in the Prophet's city? It was not, like, because the Prophet's city is Like, it's guarded, you know Then people aren't going to come into the battle in the city And then look what happened He got stabbed in the middle of Salah So, he died in Medina Radiallahu anhu And he died the death of a martyr uh, Al-Baqiyah is the cemetery that's in Medina Where there are maybe 10,000 companions of the Prophet Including the wives and the daughters of the Prophet Many prominent uh, from people from the Tabi'een and others um, And the Prophet used to make this dua about Baqiyah That peace be upon you, abode of a believing people That which was promised unto you has reached you And God willing we shall join you That's similar for the dua of entering a graveyard in general. And then he used to say, Oh Allah, grant pardon to the inhabitants of Biqiyah and Gharqad. That let the people of this graveyard, let them have mercy and forgiveness. Uh, and it is sunnah to, to visit the people who are there. Uh, sometimes you have to kind of like work your way around the authorities and like figure out when you can get in and stuff. Usually if you, you follow, at least last time I was there, you kind of have to like go after Salat when they take the janazah, I don't know if it's more flexible now or not, but that was like the way to do it before. Um, but one can go there. And there's a cool map in here, actually, of some of the places of who's where in in, uh, in Baqiyah. Because everything is leveled now. Um, there used to be some monuments and stuff there, but everything is leveled now. You can't really tell what's where. But uh, he has a map in here somewhere. I don't know where it went, subhanAllah. Uh, that tells you like this is where uh, Fatima was buried and Al-Hasan and Al-Abbas and all of them are here and then it'll say like and the wives of the Prophet were here and Ibrahim the son of the Prophet was buried in this spot and Imam Malik was buried it's, it's just like a little row you run the row and then Uthman ibn Affan is at the end of the row so it's, like, it's a cool little picture when we if I find it anyone wants to take a picture of it they can take a picture of it inshallah. 
some of the names of Medina, there's many. The book starts by saying that these are different names of the city of Medina. This whole page, you know. Um, some of the prominent ones are Taiba and Taba. Taiba and Taba. The Prophet them says said about Medina, it is Taiba. It drives away impurity just as fire removes the impurity of silver. Because Taiba has to do with the meaning of purity, right? And uh, he used to also say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that the person who calls Medina Yathrib should seek forgiveness from Allah and they should call it Taba. They should call it Taba. Because Yathrib, uh, Ibn Hajr, he comments on it, he says, because Yathrib, it derives from either Tathrib or Tharb. Both of them have negative meanings. So, you know, it's it's that this the city of the Prophet them shouldn't be referred to with a name that's in, that has a negative meaning. You know? And so it's it's Taba or it's Tayba or it's Medina to Nabi or Medina and Munawara. Uh, and all these other beautiful names. SubhanAllah, you know, there's really uh, especially people who have gone and those who haven't gone probably even there's a there's a different draw to Medina. SubhanAllah, like uh, Mecca is very Mecca is very Jalali It's very powerful And uh, and Medina is very Jamali It's very beautiful uh, it's, uh, it's, So its pull is different And you know In Mecca you kind of feel this awe In Medina you just feel this love And uh, It's like that SubhanAllah I mean uh, I may have told you all before that one of the early memories that I have, you know, as you know, we didn't grow up as um, as Muslims. Uh, I didn't grow up as a Muslim, but I recall I have family that's Muslim, and I uh, there was at some point when there was a family member who visited, and I think they had come from Umrah because I think like they would do that if they were like coming from Pakistan to America they might as well go to Umrah because it's like you're going so far isn't it? anyways so they were, I think they had gone to Umrah and my cousin she gave me this postcard of you, I don't know do you guys remember postcards they're so cool uh, there was there, she gave me this postcard of Medina and I had no idea what it was I mean like I have no context I don't, I don't know what Mecca is I don't know what Medina is I don't know what these places are but the picture, it was just like an aerial, it's a pretty famous shot. It was like an aerial shot of the Masjid Nabui at nighttime, and it's all lit up. And it was so remarkable that I, I always kept it. Like I just, you know, I'm doing my thing in high school or whatever it is. And, and I have like this postcard of Medina that's literally in the headboard of my bed. I was like, just to keep it there. I think I still have it somewhere. I hope I have it somewhere. I should have kept that, but subhanAllah. Medina is like that, it has a draw. Uh, the Prophet them also taught that there's a special merit to the dates in Medina. Uh, some narrations are more general, some of them are specific to the Ajwa dates. That the Prophet them said, He who eats seven of these dates that are in this area of Medina, then no harm will come to them, until no poison will harm them until the evening. And other narrations indicate that it's generally good for one's health to eat these. And then in another narration, it's particular about the Ajwa dates of the Aliyah, which is a certain side of Medina. They contain a cure and they are an antidote when taken early in the morning. So those are uh, good. Maybe you can ask people, I don't really have knowledge on that. My understanding is that 
there's there's various levels of ajwa dates and some of them are kind of like the real deal ajwa dates and some of them are the medium deal ajwa dates so you know the people of those thing you know people of these areas usually know those things or people who visit a lot and stuff uh, the soil of Medina, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There's an interesting thing that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did, uh, and indicates that there's like a, a healing property in the soil of the city of Medina. Uh, Aisha reported that when a person fell ill with a disease or had an ailment or injury, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would um, place his forefinger on the ground and he would lift it, reciting the name of Allah. And say the dust of our ground with the saliva, like someone would say, he would lick his finger and like put it in the ground. And he said, The dust of our ground with the saliva of one of us serves as a cure for our ill ones with the sanction of Allah, with the permission of Allah. <coughs> there, there's not like um, these stronger narrations on this don't indicate any particular area of Medina, just general to Medina. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever oppresses the dwellers of Medina or scares them, then scare him. And upon him is the curse of Allah, the angels, and entire mankind. Like if someone harms the people of Medina, then it's a very, very, uh, uh, very serious thing. And that, that Medina will be kind of like a place of preservation of faith. We mentioned in the in the Mecca session that Mecca and Medina are the two places that will be protected from the Dajjal that there's narrations that say that there, the Prophet ﷺ said there will be no town which Dajjal did not enter except Mecca and Medina and there will be no road to enter the city except that angels are standing in rows guarding the cities against the Dajjal for Mecca and Medina the angels are lining the armies that's what it says Television. I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going down that route. I have no idea about any of that stuff. <laughs> this is just the hadith. We have TV in Mecca, right? uh, they have TV in Mecca. Yeah, they made it. TV made it. It can't be a TV. Yeah. <laughs> Fox News. Did Fox News make it everywhere? Uh, <laughs> uh, there's another narration. The Abu Huraira narrates that the Jan will come from the eastern side of the city of Medina with the intention of attacking Medina until he gets behind Uhud. And then the angels will turn his face towards Syria and that's where he'll die. Mm. Uh, may Allah protect us from witnessing these things. Some of the virtues and etiquettes of the Prophet's masjid. The Prophet said that one prayer in my masjid is better than 1,000 prayers in any other masjid except in Masjid in Haram in Mecca, obviously. Uh, one should follow the general sunnah of entering any masjid, which is to enter with the right foot and to make the dua Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah, Allahumiftahli abwaba rahmatik. Bismillah, salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah. Then, O oh Allah, open for me the doors of your mercy. Open the, for me the doors of your mercy. They should walk calmly and respectfully. They should offer two rakat tahiyat and masjid in the rolda if they're able to do so or any other space in the masjid. And then they should go and say salam to the Prophet and Abu Bakr and Umar and not disturb other worshippers and so on and so forth. Um, I'm just going to skip that part because whatever uh so the you know 
one goes, they enter the masjid, they make the dua, they enter the masjid, they pray their two rakat, and they go and say salam to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Masjid Nabawi has gone through many expansions. Uh, you know, uh, first even in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it was expanded. Then in the time of Omar, then in Uthman, Umayyad, Abbasid, so on and so forth, up to the modern period. There's car parking areas underneath the mission. Not going to go into that. Rolda. The area between the sacred chamber of the Prophet and the pulpit is known as the Rolda. This is the Rolda. Rolda Jannah, the garden of paradise. Garden of paradise. The Prophet said, Between my house and my pulpit lays a garden from the gardens of paradise, and my pulpit is upon a mountain, is upon a fountain and kothar. <coughs> So the Prophet said, like, this is a garden from the gardens of paradise. Yeah. One of the ways that this is interpreted, yes. Is that like more metaphorical? Is that Let's see. One of the ways this has been interpreted is, the garden is parallel to a garden above it in paradise. Mm. Or it is in reality a garden of paradise, which will be returned to paradise in the hereafter. Or it is like the gardens of paradise because the peace and tranquility which is experienced in it when engaged in the remembrance of Allah resembles that of paradise. So there's multiple possibilities. Um, as for the member of the Prophet them, the pulpit, the Prophet them said, My pulpit is upon a river from the rivers of paradise. And verily the steps of my pulpit shall be the steps to paradise in the hereafter. So that, that's a, that one is in Sunan and Nasa'i. There's a whole chapter on the virtue of the Prophet's mosque. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ also said, He who falsely swears by my member, even for an unripe miswak, then let him make his abode in the fire. So basically, this is a special place. The member of the Prophet ﷺ. There's a, a column there that is called Al-Mukhallaqa. Al-Mukhallaqa uh, column. And that column is joining to the mihrab. And it was built at the place of the weeping tree stump. So you know the story where Before the member was made for the Prophet them, He used to stand by this tree stump And deliver the sermon And then the, pro the companions offered him We can make like a member for you And they agreed and so on And then after that was made And they put the steps on it Then the Prophet them, When he passed by the tree Then the tree started to weep And he came to it and he put his hand on it His blessed hand them, Over it until it became quieted and the Prophet ﷺ would often, after that, he would offer two rakat near this tree. So he would, he would, um, you know, subhanAllah. So we heard the Prophet, like, it's, we heard the, we heard the, 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 the sorrow of the tree trunk. Sallallahu alayhi wa Hassan al-Basri would mention this. And he would say, O oh, worshippers of Allah, the wood yearns for the Prophet ﷺ. You ought to be more worthy of yearning to meet the Prophet ﷺ. There's also a column called the Aisha column. It was named after Aisha radiallahu anha as she informed the companions of its location. Aisha narrated radiallahu anha that the Prophet ﷺ said, In the masjid there is a spot before this pillar if the people knew what virtue it holds it would not be available to people to pray there without drawing lots she had in her company a group of children they said oh mother of the believers where is that place so she told them there's a wonderful column here and she didn't tell them where it is so they said where is that place she remained silent after a short short while all the children left except abdullah bin zubair why again would abdullah bin zubair not leave 
You remember why? That's her nephew. That's why she's called Umm Abdullah. Aisha is called Umm Abdullah because of Abdullah bin Zubair. It's her nephew. The children said, so he's the only one left. The children said, look at the children are smart. Children are smart, mashallah. Children, when they're used for khair, mashallah, tabarakallah. Culture is important. Uh, children, she said, the children said, she will inform, the children said, she will inform him, so be wary of where he offers his salat. Yeah. So the children want to know, where is this, where is this column? <laughs> and Abdullah, he's going to know. So they're like, when he comes out, pay attention to where he prays. That's how they figured out where the spot is, actually. So the children said, she will inform him, so be wary of where he prays. Shortly afterwards, Abdullah came out and he prayed near this pillar. And so it was understood that that's the pillar, and it was known after that as the, the pillar of Aisha. Anha. I didn't actually find like a picture in the book. I've, I've seen another book that has these things. Maybe we can find it. On the next page. This one? It has some columns, but not that one. It has the Stawanat and Wufud. These other ones. There are seven pillars. I think there should be another one somewhere. Yeah. There are seven. Seven? Seven. In that area? It like uh, around the Roda, is it? Okay. This Aisha one is in the Roda? Okay. And the... the what was the other one I said? The Mukhallaqa, this one? Do you know? Is it probably there too? Yeah, okay. This says on them? Okay. Yeah. For the real day, yeah. Um. There's another one called the, the Column of Abu Lubaba. This column was named after Abu Lubaba who tied himself to it after accidentally having spilt a secret to Bani Quraidah. When the Prophet them laid siege to Bani Quraidah, they asked Abu Lubaba to be sent to them so that they may consult him regarding their fate. They asked him, should we accept the decision of the Prophet? He replied in the affirmative and pointed to his throat with his forefinger and mentioned it across, motioned it across suggesting that they would be killed. No sooner had he done this than he realized that he had betrayed the secret of Allah and his messenger. Not having the courage to come to the Prophet, he hastened to the Prophet's mosque and tied himself to this pillar and vowed neither to eat nor to move from there until death overcomes him or Allah forgives him. He stayed like that for nine days during which he would often lose consciousness. Then Allah revealed his forgiveness to the Prophet ﷺ while he was at the home of Umm Salama. She saw him smiling and said, O Prophet of Allah, may Allah forever keep you smiling. What makes you smile? He said, Abu Lubaba's repentance has been accepted. She said, Shall I not give him the glad tiding? He said, Yes, if you wish. When she informed him, the companions rushed towards him to free him. Abu Lubaba refused to be freed except by the blessed hands of the Prophet ﷺ. Then the Prophet ﷺ came and freed him with his own blessed hands. And Abu Lubaba said, O Prophet of Allah, I have vowed to donate all that I own as charity. The Prophet ﷺ said, A third will suffice. It was that he was When Bani Quraidah had betrayed the Muslims And they asked if they can talk to him So when they sent him Then He wasn't they are, The Muslims already knew that Bani Quraidah is going to be punished for what they did and, and when he went He wasn't supposed to tell them that 
and they asked him, should we accept the command of the Prophet and so on? And he motioned like basically that they're going to get killed. And then he realized, wait, I just betrayed that information. Like that's intel. I'm not, I shouldn't be giving up the Prophet's intelligence. And that's, that's what happened. <coughs> the sacred chamber, the Hujra, Hujra Sharifa, where the Prophet them is, is buried in the room of Aisha radiallahu anha, together with his two companions, Abu Bakr and Umar. And there is a fourth grave. That is reserved for Sayyidina Isa. Fourth grave that's waiting there for Sayyidina Isa. Ajib, ajib, ajib. Aisha radiallahu anha said, I saw in my dream three moons falling into my lap, and I told Abu Bakr about it. She further said, When the Prophet passed away and was buried in her chamber, Abu Bakr said to her, This is one of those moons, and it is the finest of the three. It is narrated by Malik that it was reported to him that the Prophet then passed away on Monday and was buried on Tuesday. The companions offered funeral prayers individually without an imam. The people said, bury him near the pulpit. Others said, bury him in Biqiyah. Then Abu Bakr came and said, I heard the Prophet saying, a Prophet was never buried except at the place where he died. Thus a grave was dug in the room And whilst they were bathing him They intended to remove his shirt And a voice was heard Do not remove the shirt He was then bathed with his shirt When Abu Bakr passed away He was buried beside the Prophet He had requested to be buried beside him There is the second of the two moons When Umar bin Khattab was stabbed He said to his son Abdullah go to the mother of the believers Aisha And say Umar bin Khattab sends his greetings to you and request her to allow me to be buried with my two companions. She said, I had the idea of having this place for myself, but today I will give preference to him over myself. This is one of the most remarkable uh, acts of love between a, a brother and a sister in Islam. This is like, you know, talk about what, what is love in an appropriate way for the sake of Allah between two people who are not related. This is the this is the pinnacle of it. This is the pinnacle of it. She said, "I preferred him. Uh, I prefer him today over myself." Then I gave him that spot. When he returned, he said, "She has allowed you." On that, Omar said, "Nothing was more important to me than to be buried in that place." Uh, there's another narration. It's not mentioned here, but that I had heard before, that Omar actually told his son as well to to re ask her after he dies. And. Uh, and his reasoning was basically that, like, you know, people are sometimes intimidated of Sayyidina Umar. So he said, after I die, go to, go to her and ask her again and make sure that she's still okay with it. Now that, now that, that I'm, my physical presence is out of the picture, right? Like, take me out and ask her again. Look at the adab. So beautiful. It is narrated that Abdullah bin Salam said, the description of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and that of Isa السلام, shall be buried with him is written and that and that Isa shall be buried with him is written in the Torah. And Abu Maudud said there is a space for a grave in the chamber. So that was Abdullah bin Salam was from the he's the one who was a rabbi, right, and converted, right, to Islam. So he said this knowledge is in the Torah, that Isa will be buried there. SubhanAllah. Sallallahu alaykum. Sallallahu alayka ya Sayyidi ya Rasulullah Ya Sayyidi ya Rasulullah As-salatu wa salamu alayka Masjid Quba 
mentioned Quba. When the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina, he stayed at the house of Kalthum ibn al-Hadm. He was from the tribe of Banu Amr ibn Auf. And the Prophet ﷺ built Masjid Quba on a portion of his land. It was the first mosque built by the Prophet ﷺ in Medina. Masjid Quba predates the Masjid Nabawi. Predates the Masjid. This Quba they stopped at on the way to, to Medina. The Prophet ﷺ said, He who purifies himself at his home and comes to Masjid Quba and offers to raka'ah therein will be, will be rewarded with the reward of an Umrah. Uh, it's not mentioned here, but the, uh, as far as I can tell, yeah, but the Prophet them at least I've seen narrations that the Prophet them used to regularly visit Quba. Uh, I believe there's one that says he used to go on Mondays, or it might be Saturdays, it can't be Saturday, is it? He used to go on Saturday. Used to go you know, weekly, go to Masjid Quba and pray, come. So that's an interesting Sunnah, isn't it? You know, to keep certain things alive. It's like, how could you apply this in our own little way in Southern California? Would be to like, what are the oldest masajid in Southern California, and make intention like, whenever I'm near these places, I'm gonna, or or even if I'm not even near them. I'm going to make intention like every so often I'm just going to go to this place I'm going to pray to Raka'ah yeah, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to ISOC only with the intention to pray to Raka'ah here because this is one of the founding masajid of Orange County or I'm going to go to ICSC or I'm going to go to uh, Java Street Masjid in Inglewood or like whatever it is uh, Masjid Bilal in South Central all these different places uh, because they're the first masajid and uh, so the Prophet them used to go there and, and pray these pray these salat there. Um, there's also a masjid in Medina called Masjid al Jumu'ah. Um, oh, there's two of them. Oh, thank you. That's the perfect Masri glass. Mashallah. Masjid Dar Sa'ad ibn Khaythama. Before the Prophet them migrated to Medina, the companions sometimes offered their Friday prayers at the house of Sa'ad ibn Khaythama. SubhanAllah, it's like the same, you know. Whenever you hear the stories of Islam in America, it's like, we didn't have anything, and so we used this person's house, and we used to just meet in the garage for Jummah, and our Jummah was 20 people, and then eventually we had to get like a little warehouse, and that warehouse became the masjid. Like, SubhanAllah, they used to meet and they pray in the person's house. And... Uh, its position was to the southwest of Masjid Quba, and in this respect, a mosque was later built there, and it was included in the extension of Quba later on by King Fahd. So it's within the area of Quba. Uh, the other one is called Masjid al Juma. Um, prior to the migration of the Prophet and them, Friday prayer was led by Musa ibn Umair and Asad ibn Zurara, radiAllahu anhum, in Medina, when the Prophet them, So this is. After Bayat al-Aqaba, the first one, and before the Hijra, when Musab is there and he's teaching the people and stuff, they used to have this. And uh, they, so when the Prophet Sallallahu arrived in Medina, he first stayed at Quba for a number of days. Then on a Friday, he set off to Medina, and he offered the first Friday prayer in the locality of Banu Salim, uh, approximately one kilometer north of Quba. 
and they built a mosque in that place. It later became known as Masjid Jumar, and it, it has been rebuilt and uh, it can accommodate a number of people now. So that's there as well. Is that part of the Sabah Masjid? It's not part of the. Um, so I think this is a good place to stop, inshallah. Sallallahu alayhi Muhammad wa alihi wa sallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the blessing of visiting his sacred places, visiting the Kaaba uh, and Musharrafah, and visiting the blessed grave of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and these these wonderful places along my Amin. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad wa alihi wa sallam. Alhamdulillah.